When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Welcome to our Legends podcast here on Eurosport. I'm of course today joined by Boris Becker like always. Uh, Boris, how are you doing? Yeah, it's week seven in the lockdown in London, and I wish I could tell you a different story. There are more people in the park, and people are slowly getting out of the houses, but no major news in the UK yet. Well, Boris, uh, thanks for joining me. Again, I'm Mats Villander, and today we are so excited to be joined by, first of all, Justine Henna. How are you doing, Justine? Where are you in the world? Hello, Mats. Hello, everyone. Uh, I'm in Brussels. Uh, I'm home, you know, safe. Uh, with the kids, with, which is really, uh, yeah, top sport level also, running after them uh, all day long. But, uh, yeah, patient. We could start uh, tennis uh, a little bit in Belgium, and we're very happy about that. So I'm happy to join uh, Simona Halep. Very happy to share a good moment uh, together today, yeah. Simona, thank you, uh, and welcome back. You've been a, a big star here on, on Eurosports for, for the last few days. How are you doing? I'm good. Hello to everybody. Hello, Justine. Hello, uh, Boris. Uh, it's a pleasure, actually, to talk to my idol because I was growing up uh, actually copying her, <laughs> I have to admit. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a nice chat and I'm happy to join in. You said copy. What, what, what was it about Justine's game that was so attractive to you, Simona, as a young girl? Well, everything. First of all, we are uh, the same height and I felt like I have a chance <laughs> to do it. And uh, the backhand, even if I'm not uh, one hand backhand, I loved your backhand, Justine. And uh, I have um, actually copied also the movement because uh, she had always strong legs and she was uh, playing actually very close to the baseline. I tried to copy that. It was not perfect because I was very far sometimes. But um, I had it in my mind and I knew that is the best thing to do when you are not very tall. You still can improve that, huh? So exactly. I'm working on it. You can come closer to the baseline, I'm sure of that. <laughs> and to the net, no? Everybody is telling me. <laughs> to the net. <laughs> I get scared when I'm, when I'm around the net. <laughs> and guys, uh, it, it, it's my honor. I'm the first time, as long as I'm doing podcasts, I'm surrounded by four former world number ones and Simone and maybe another one in the future. So thank you for being, and thank you to be in your presence. This is something unbelievable. Now, Simona, we just watched your, your win, your final, your breakthrough uh, against Lone Steven in Paris. Do you remember your first thoughts when you, when you had that match point? I know you, you fell on your back and, and you walked to the net, but 
But what was going through your head? Well, in that, uh, in that moment, uh, actually the score was 5-1 and I didn't feel stressed that uh, there can be something worse coming back. But um, uh, I had emotions. I remember that I stopped once when I wanted to serve. I stopped and I said, okay, this is the moment. I have to put the first serve in. <laughs> That's everything I had in my mind. And I did it, so she missed with the forehand. I have that point. I think I will have it for my, the rest of my life. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, but but again, you're serving for. I mean, you've lost three finals, uh, Justine. Again, we we are sometimes Boris and I. We bring up great memories most of the time. Sometimes we dig into the in the historic uh, background of your career. You lost your first final against Venus in 2001 in Wimbledon. So, talk to us about what you think Simona could feel trying to win her first after three final losses. How did you approach it? Well, I think that I admire uh, the way Simone I could deal with that because uh, I lost one, but to lose three uh, in such difficult situations because when you, when you look back, okay, there was the first one, uh, Simone against uh, Sharapova, but then this one against, uh, of course, uh, Ostapenko was, I, I guess, uh, really, really painful. And then you build really a strong comeback in, in Australia, having tough matches, but still lose. So even if you're in a positive position at the time to come back, even lose the first set in that final against Stevens, you need to be really strong mentally. So I admire that a lot. I lost uh, my first Grand Slam uh, final against Venus. I was very young, I was 19. Um, a few weeks before I lost in the semi-final of uh, Roland Garros. I was uh, winning 6-1, 4-2, 15 on the serve of Kim Clasters and lost that semi-final. So this <laughs> is really a painful one. Um, but you need to stay in this moment uh, right now. And I, I was wondering, uh, Simona, if, if when you lose the first set uh, in, in that final, do you, do you have the feeling, do you think at a certain point, okay, it's going to be the same story again? What do you think at that time? I felt, yeah, I felt that uh, I had a moment when I said that I will never win a Grand Slam. I just cannot handle it because, uh, you know, I played against Sloan before. And I won some matches against her. And I said, okay, if I lose again, a final means that I cannot handle the pressure and I cannot handle the emotions. And I was 2-0 down also in the second set. And I said that I have no chance if I play the same. So at that moment, I just um, had in my mind that I have to change something. And I've been more aggressive. And at that moment, I said, okay, everything is lost. I have nothing to lose anymore. I just have to try something else. And it worked. But she played unbelievable. I never expected her <laughs> to play yeah. so well on clay. Honestly, she was unbelievable that day. But I have to, I have to ask you, uh, you guys, um, Boris as well, of course. But why is that as a professional tennis player? And maybe more so when you play the style of, of you, Simona. When you lose the first set, it's sometimes easier to start playing more aggressively. You're more free. I mean, it's crazy because you're just one set away from losing the match, but somehow you feel more relaxed after you lost the first set. Why is that? Because um, I know that if I go in the third set, I have a better chance. Uh, most of my matches that uh, we actually played the third set, I won them. Physically, I feel strong every time I play. Uh, but I don't know, maybe I start too slow. And, um, you know, the emotions, because I'm a very emotional person. And I stress myself maybe for nothing sometimes. 
and that's why I started slower. But yeah, I didn't find an explication yet. <laughs> so I'm working on that. Maybe but you Simo guys can help me. <laughs> yeah, uh, Simon, but you're coached by Darren Cahill and, and you lost the beginning of that year. Even though we are, you're up in Australia against Wozniacki and breaking the third set, you lost that as well. So that was the third loss. What did Darren tell you before you walked out on those court? Those famous last words. What was the, what was the mindset? Well, he told me right after that match that he's very proud of my work and very proud how uh, I fought uh, all the matches. And he said that even if it didn't happen this time, I have just to keep believing that uh, my time will come. And he said, he told me after that match that this year you're going to win a Grand Slam. So I just listened to him and I, <laughs> I kept working. The big thing is after losing three finals of Grand Slams, all of them 6-4 in the third, all of them, uh, <laughs> yeah, to come back and to train next day. So, yeah, this was the, the biggest thing I think that I did very well. Yeah, and mm. I, think, I think, guys, we talk here about what makes really uh, great champions and, and great players also mentally. And I think it's, it's great for the, the young players also right now to uh, understand how they have to invest on the future also. And the words of Darren and the, the fact that said, okay, you fought, you improved, you learned. And if you can learn from this, you can come back stronger. And uh, so defeat sometimes is not the end. And, uh, but here I have to admit that after, after three times, the way it happened, it's, it's quite impressive. We can look back in, in the history of the game. It's probably not a lot of times that we can find this kind of situation. And uh, it means that mentally you have to be very strong uh, somewhere. And that's something probably... Do, do you have the feeling also that th that has changed something in your mind? That now you understand that everything is possible? Yeah, yeah, for sure. After those matches in Australia, that I pushed my limit every single day. I was thinking that I'm not able to play the final uh, after that semi-final against Kerber. And still I played three sets with Wozniacki that she never misses. And to be able to play that, I felt like nothing is impossible anymore and you can push your limit every time. So that's why I didn't give up maybe in the final with Stevens. Uh, yeah. Mats and Boris, how, how did it happen for you that you could win your, your first Grand Slam uh, final? Uh, how, how did you do it? Is it emotionally that you could, uh, yeah, that you could handle with that easier than, than the girls maybe? Um, yeah, well, men's are I'm, different. <laughs> I'm going to start because my uh, answer is much simpler. The answer to that question uh, for me winning in 1982, the French Open as a 17-year-old, is two words, Björn Borg. Björn Borg did not play the French Open for the first time in his career in 1982. So everybody, Guillermo Vilas, Ivan Lendl, they saw the ghost of Björn Borg walking around and I played similar and they choked. Every time I see them, I tell them, you guys choked. I had no weapons, I did nothing, I just stayed there. So for me, not a huge thing. Boris, on the other hand, winning Wimbledon at 17 years old, defending the title at 18. Give me a break, Boris. Yeah, but first of all, uh, uh, the others choked because they were afraid of you. And I think the mental part of playing in the Grand Slam final is underestimated. Some of the things you, you learn in a Grand Slam final only happens on the court. No coach in the world, no practice session, no quarterfinal can teach you. And, and you know, Simeno, maybe your those three losses made you the champion here today because you had to suffer 
Uh, and in my case, um, I call it the innocence of youth. You know, at 17, at 18, you're, you're pretty full of yourself and, and you don't think that, you know, you're, you're weak and anybody can touch you. And then, and I was playing against a 27-year-old, Kevin Curran, who probably felt that his only chance of winning would have been, so he choked. He, he lost his first service game. I ran away with the first serve and then I was a step ahead. And then, you know, again, at, you know, 17, you just, you know, you don't have any fear. You know, the, again, the mental aspect is huge. At 17, when you're a teenager, you, you don't know losing. You don't know what it's like. So, um, and, and, you know, that, that's a simple explanation for me. But, uh, Justin, you, you are a winner of seven Grand Slams. Uh, you did win the French Open in 03. So what, what was finally the breakthrough for you to get what it takes to win majors? Simona, listen. Well... Yeah. Yeah, it's. Uh, I've been dreaming of, of this my, my whole life and not so many people really b believed I could make it because of my size also. So it's something that uh, we can share together, Simona and, and I. And when I was a little girl, I will always remember the first final I played in the tennis club. Everyone was laughing because the girl was much taller than I. And I always had really a lot of energy in myself when I had to prove it's not what you see that's going to be the truth, you know, it's not, uh, you cannot yeah. make judgment like that. And uh, I can show you how I can use my weapons and how I can still uh, be very good physically because with, when, when we are not that tall like Simona or, or I, you need to be physically fit, you know, you need to run fast, you need to be quick, you need to anticipate, you need to have a good vision of the, of the game. And if you play with your qualities, it's something that... Um, can be a big advantage but uh, even if, if I really believe and it was my dream that I, that I could make it I was missing all the time something against especially against Kim or against some against Serena for example and then we had a big discussion with uh, Carlos Rodriguez my, my coach and he just explained me uh, very with simple words uh, do you want to be that very good player you know always be close or do you want to take the risk to make the difference because when you really give 100%, you still have the risk that you can lose at the end because your opponent was better. And uh, I will always remember that discussion to say, okay, I'm gonna take the risk to go, yeah, to, to give everything I have, to go for that shot, you know, to really have this ambition. And that started to make the difference because I could uh, compete with Serena, for example, that everyone was a bit, uh, scared to play against Serena and I said okay now I have to develop my self-conviction that I can beat her and so I worked uh, a lot really with my yeah um, mental self-conviction I would say and uh, I'm sure Simona shared the, this kind of thing also. Yeah, I have to ask I you. have a question for everyone from here. Please. Do you guys feel felt actually did you feel uh, emotions in your stomach when you were ready to step on the court in a big like Final of Grand Slam? Of like course. Big, big. Boys, yeah, must... yeah, you go, Matt. No, um, listen, I was, I was so young. I had been beaten so badly by Guillermo Vilas in Madrid. And I was literally, I remember the night before, my good friend Joachim Nystrom called and said, what you doing? I said, I'm writing my runner-up speech because I had never spoken in the microphone before. I was so nervous, not for the match. My goal was to win a game every set. I was worried about losing. It was like playing Nadal. I was worried about losing six love, six love, six love, which is crazy. But um, so I, no nerves, no. Later in life, 
yes a little bit. But again, I have to tell you, and Simona, you know this, you've talked about this. Let's keep this at Wimbledon center court as a 17-year-old. That's a big difference from the French Open. So I was not nervous. Boris, you? Well, at the first time I was nervous, uh, the changeover at 5-4 in the fourth set when I walked out. And the, the sound was different. And all of a sudden, I could hear every single person clapping or yelling or doing something. And then I was preparing to serve, and my, the ball wouldn't leave my hand. It was sort of stuck. I couldn't, couldn't throw it out. So, of course, I double-folded. And there was no way I could play a second serving safely. So I just said, in plain English, fuck it. I'm going to just hit it as hard as I can, slice into the body, and pray. So when I had match point, I double folded, of course, because the ball wouldn't leave again. I was trying to lift it. And then at 40-30, I, I closed, pretty much I closed my eyes. I closed my eyes and hit it. And it went in and then they, they screamed and then it was it. So I think the, the butterflies, as you're asking me, Simona, always were there. It's, I, okay. I, call this, I call it the inner demons. They're always there and they were important for me because it mattered. I cared about The moment they weren't there anymore when I walked out, I knew it was time to do something else. Okay. Yeah, very interesting, yeah. Well, I'm going to just say that for Simona and Justine, uh, it's very interesting that Boris brings this up because people, players used to do you know where Boris is serving? I said, how am I supposed to know where he's serving when he doesn't even know where he's serving? <laughs> <laughs> I like this. You just, you just That's correct. Boris, thank you. Um, I want to ask you, um, uh, Simona and Justine, uh, Simona, first, you talked about uh, Justine because of the size, because of the fighting spirit, but then you said something about the backhand at one point. What, what is it about your two-handed backhand, even though Justine is one? What was the, the attraction with Justine's one-handed backhand? At 11, I, no, before 11 years old, I wanted to change to one hand backhand, and the coach said no. Stay chill <laughs> and go for it with two hands because you are not very strong. I was very tiny when I was a kid, very soft, like no muscles. And uh, the coach at that moment said, no, you need two hands and you're going to have a good backhand. So I decided to stay with two hands. Whoever coached you then giving him some percentage from a prize money to stick with the two-hander? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I did. I did, yeah. But Justine, Justine, your, your backhand was um, declared as the best single backhand in women's tennis of all time. Who taught you that backhand? <laughs> really, uh, you know, maybe until two or three years ago, I thought, well, it was so natural. I never had to work on this. And then I started to think and to, to think back. And when I was nine years old, actually, I had a coach whose name is uh, Luke and uh, uh, I had uh, a lot of trouble, you know, with my, I was playing a lot with my elbow and I couldn't pass the forearm and uh, he was throwing me hundreds of balls and he was, doing, he was doing no with the head, nothing else. I knew what I had to do. And then I understood that just what, what happened, it was the, the repetition, you know, because I did hit thousands and thousands and thousands of balls. I was working on the timing, on the rhythm. Finally, it became something, it became something very natural and... Um, also, my father was telling that maybe on the return, you need to take the two hands to be more powerful, but we decided to work more with the slice and to make my game more complete so I could use different kind of, uh, of weapons. So uh, no chance I accepted to uh, go to a two-hand backhand, but uh, <laughs> it was yeah something that 
I always had to work because I, I started to become lazy a little bit on that shot. And it, it reminds you that even if you are talented, you're good at it, at some point, because your opponents, they work a lot, you need to improve and to get better. That's what I really loved when I became number one also and winning uh, different kind of majors and feeling the, the, yeah, the other players wanted to fight a lot with me. Okay, how can I get better again? And when you see the top players like, like you have been also, it's this, uh, the fact that you want all the time to add something to, to your game. Like Simona is saying, maybe I need, I try to be a little bit more aggressive also physically so you can play a, a few more years. Simona, it's something really interesting. So when you end this uh, thinking, okay, I, I want to make my, my game better, even, even if I'm at the top. And uh, that's what I did also with, with my backhand. Hmm. Yeah. I think you, you guys are raising such an important point uh, if we talk about uh, young uh, juniors, uh, boys and girls, is to learn everything. Because we, I think if, if you ask people, Simona, how does Simona Halep play? I think a lot of people would say, well, she puts the ball back in play. She runs great. Uh, and, uh, and, and that's it. And I think that people don't realize that you know how to come to the net. You know how to play more aggressively. Uh, you know how to end the points. But you choose to play in a certain way. We used to have Goran Ivanisevic on our uh, men's side. And people say, oh, he doesn't know how to play. He just hits the ball hard. No, no, no. He knows how to play the other style. He just chooses not to do that. He chooses to end. So how important is it? You guys have both talked about the variation and learning how to do everything. Because next we're going to talk about the Williams sisters a little bit. But... Tell the juniors that are listening how important it is to learn everything, slice backhand, volleys, everything. Well, I think the biggest regret I have that I didn't practice uh, slice during the junior, uh, junior's time. Because if you don't do the base at the beginning, when you face the, imp the important matches, you go back to your base. And if your base is consistency and you don't want to miss that much you you just want to feel sure on what you do you just stay stuck in that that's why i don't i know how to, to hit the slice i'm doing it the practice and i do it okay not great but it's okay and i can change the rhythm sometimes but doesn't come in my head during the important matches that i have to do that also the drop shots if i change that i will have a big plus in my game but still, I need to work a lot at this age because when you get older, when you get older uh, the information, you get the information, but uh, doesn't come natural into your game uh, when you feel the pressure. So I feel like the juniors uh, have to, to learn everything about tennis at the beginning. And then they can make it stronger and stronger uh, time. This is my opinion, yeah. Uh, uh, Simona and Justin, you both are prime examples that in tennis, size doesn't matter. You both are not 200 pounds, you're not six feet, you know, you're, you're chess players on the court. How can you both describe to your style to somebody that's, that's watching? Because you're not somebody, what is, your, what is your secret when you open a point and how would you describe, you know, in a, in a couple of simple words, your, your style? Well, I think that uh, talking about Simona and I was still, we have to be very good physically because uh, talking about Simona, the way she covers the court is something quite impressive. So you need to be good in defense and then trying to take the opportunities and uh, tactically and with your strategies, you need to be very clear on that. Uh, for me, it was very clear when I was uh, 
working on the court against Serena that I, I didn't have to compete in exactly the same way she was playing because I, I would lose all the time, that's for sure. So what are my weapons, how I can hurt her? And uh, so first I have to believe uh, in myself. Oh. I think that's, that's the first point when you work on the court and you all know that you need to believe that you can make uh, the difference. And uh, I agree with what Simona just said, and it's very hard now to talk to the juniors about that, but the more they can open their mind and to get and to build different kinds of weapons, the more they have answers against different kinds of players. But I have to say, Boris, that first we need to be good physically. We need to be able to be fast, to run, to be powerful. And to be consistent in every match, which is tough to stay at the top for a long time. When physically yeah. you like Simona and I, it's very hard to stay away from the injuries and to stay on the tour for a long time. So you have sometimes some ups, ups and downs that you have to control. But then how you can use your weapons, you know, if you try to stay three meters behind the line against Serena, there is no chance. So what are going to be the small you know, uh, the, the small opportunities that you can take and against this kind of players or against other kind of players. When I had to play Capriati also, you know, it was so consistent and so tough and I knew I had to come to the net and I knew I had to change the rhythm and I knew that if I was going into rallies that we hit the ball all the time in the same rhythm, I have no chance to win. So okay. all this variation, um, uh, it's something that is uh, very important for sure. Mm. Well, you're starting to talk about it. So uh, let, let's really dive into the 2019 Wimbledon final. Uh, Simona against the great Serena Williams. Let's ask myself, did I think you could win this, Simona? Can I answer? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> I think a lot of people thought that this was maybe going to be a little bit too tough. Uh, Serena started playing well again. She's serving big. You always talked about winning Wimbledon is your most important, even though you are a clay court specialist. What were your feelings? Serena, Wimbledon final, it can't get more nerve-wracking than this. Yeah, I was uh, talking about the Wimbledon like that because uh, I never thought, and I'm honest, that I can win on grass against so big players and so great champions on that surface. So um, when, I, uh, when I woke up, I just had in my mind the match uh, that I played in Singapore against her uh, and I uh, won very fast, same. Um, I said that I don't have to have in my head that it's the final. I don't have to think that I'm playing uh, the biggest champion in Wimbledon. I don't have to think that everyone came to see me and I just took the opportunity and I said if I am focused, I've been the most focused ever in my life. I didn't say a word, which is impossible for me. Uh, I said that if I do these things and if I play quick and I don't give her time to, to set and to hit strong, I have a big chance. And I did it very well in that match. Yeah, I was very focused on what I have to do. I, I find it fascinating that you both, Simona and uh, Justin, you both played Serena Williams in Grand Slam. Think about it, just 10 years apart, pretty much. Um, in the men's locker room, before the Grand Slam final, you go in your corners. You, you stay with your crew and then, then you, know, you go together. How intimidating is Serena Williams in the locker room before matches? She always has a couple of people around. How was it for you, Simona, before and how was it for you, Justin? Before I didn't see her. What? I didn't see her in that day. Wow. Didn't really? see her. 
I was, I yeah, I was somewhere uh, in the corner in the locker room. Yeah. And uh, I just dressed up and I went out. I didn't wait for anything. And I was waiting for her about eight minutes before going on court. And I was like, come on, <laughs> let's go. I was very, very motivated for that match. So I didn't feel pressure. I didn't feel intimidation by, from her. Maybe, maybe that's where the match was won already in those eight minutes. Uh, how was Probably. it for you, Justin? It was tough at the beginning. I have to admit that uh, there was a lot of intimidation, you know, in the way she was uh, looking at you. And yeah. I always remember at the beginning of my career, and uh, not at the beginning, but when I had to face uh, Serena and Venus, you had to play Serena and Venus was coming with Serena until the entrance wow. of the court. So it was, it wasn't wow. one that has, it was wow. two that you had to, uh, that you had to play, <laughs> which was really tough, but it's always been part of uh, what they have built also, you know, tennis is not only what happens on the court, it's everything also that happens around the court and the personality and uh, what you bring into it, I think is something really important. So until, of course, I was scared of, of Serena and, oh. uh, and I think that at some point in my career, like probably um, Simona did, like to protect herself a little bit from that, to take some distance and to be focused on, on yourself. Actually, we all know that it's a key. It's easy to talk about that now. And yeah. <laughs> but, uh, because when you have to play and when you have to do that, we know it's not easy. But when you are able to put yourself in these conditions like Simona did in, in Wimbledon, that makes the, the kind of level that we could see and that was uh, pretty amazing. So it was like a mix of uh, big concentration and also uh, you, you seemed very relaxed also at a certain point. So that, that balance uh, that was pretty impressive, yeah. Mm. But I played many times with her before that final. So I was scared also at the beginning. I was intimidated by her all the time. Also when uh, sometimes she's... Um, you know, screaming a little bit, like, come on, like she did in the Wimbledon final. But I knew that it's what is, in fact, that is doing because she is a little bit maybe stressed about the match. So yeah. I took it the other way. And uh, that helped me from experience, of course. I mean, did you know you're facing somebody as great? I mean, did you, were you thinking that, well, hold on, she lost to Naomi Osaka in the U.S. Open in the finals. She lost to Angie Kerber in the Wimbledon final. I mean, did that enter your mind a little bit? That it's Serena Williams, but hang on. She is not used to winning now. In fact, she hasn't won since she had her daughter. Yeah, but uh, she beat me nine times. <laughs> so I didn't <laughs> think about Osaka. And I just was thinking about myself that I never could win against her without that match in Singapore. So, no, I didn't think about that. I just took it the match. <laughs> you, you both have spoken repeatedly about the mental aspect of tennis, and I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, who's helping you? Who, who sits you down and, and works on your concentration and your confidence and your belief? And where do you go after losses? After, after I lose a match? Yeah, I mean, who, who, who's your confidant? I mean, probably your coach, coach. but is, 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 is there a mental coach? Is there a psychologist? Is there books you're reading? Is there breathing techniques you do? After a match, I always talk with the coach and before the match. So I have a psychologist and I always had also Romanians uh, people here. And uh, I have worked since uh, 13, 14 years old. Not all the time, yeah. but I did. 
and uh, now I'm talking with some psychologists, but not all the time. So mm. Mm. not before the matches or after, just when I feel. Uh, mm. But uh, it's helping me a lot to um, uh, build the self-confidence that, uh, you know, sometimes the players are really scared to give everything they have. I've been in that place and to lose the match because you can get disappointed by yourself. You can tell yourself that, okay, I gave everything and still I am not able to win it. So I solved that. And now I, that's why I don't give up that much as mm. I did in the past. I didn't do it because I didn't want to play anymore or I didn't want, I didn't care anymore because all the people told me that uh, sometimes you have a moment in the match that you don't care anymore. No, mm. it's not. It's just my uh, self-confidence that is going low. And I have worked on that and now I don't have that problem anymore. Of course, I'm not uh, 100% self-confidence because it's not my style of personality. But now when I step on the court, I know that I don't have to give up, which helped me a lot in these three, four years. Justin, who helped you? Who was on your side? Well, uh, I, I always try to count a lot on myself, uh, a lot, because I also have the feeling that uh, what you can develop inside, because you're going to be alone on the court. So you have a team and, uh, of course, uh, Carlos, my coach, helped me uh, a lot. But it's also in everything you have to live in your life that you learn uh, a lot of things on, on yourself. So uh, I'm really, my nature is to be really anxious and not really self-confidence. So I, I had to really prove to myself that I was able to do that, to play long matches and still be able to come and, and win the Grand Slam final, even if you're exhausted and you have the feeling that uh, it's going to be really hard, but you still can do it. And uh, I just um, yeah, invested a lot in my intern resources and uh, mm -hmm. a, lot, a lot by my coach. But also about the fact that life sometimes brings uh, good things and sometimes tough things and you still mm. have to live with that and to move forward. And uh, I like, I always like that in my career, you know, losing, being in difficult times and try to understand how you can get better. And, uh, but I'm sure when you're on the court, it's, it's your own resources. And uh, did you guys have um, some help also, Matt and, and Boris, on that part, mm. mentally, in, when, when you were playing, how, how it was happening for you? Matt? Yes, well, obviously, yeah, well, obviously, I had help from, from my coach. Um, that's obvious. I have two older brothers. I think I learned a lot from them. But at the same time, I, I try to, to uh, keep my concentration, and it's just me. Um, I'm the one that's going to have to have to win this match. There is not one tip. Uh, that you can get that's going to change everything. I mean, that's what I'm so uh, uh, impressed with for you, Simona, is that you had Darren Cahill there in the box when you won the French Open. But I believe that he, Darren was not officially in your players' box. Is that correct? During the Wimbledon final. He might have been helping you, but he wasn't sitting there. So you have done something that I'm, I wasn't able to do. How, how does that change your attitude towards winning your third Grand Slam? Well, uh, Darren probably was exhausted after 2018. And he wanted to take a break, <laughs> first, of, yeah, first of all. And then he was uh, by my side all the time. So I was... Uh, sending messages to him. We were talking about uh, my evolution, evolution. I was exhausted also after 2018 uh, and I didn't train that much. Uh, actually, I was working, but um, I was not uh, like every day in the schedule. 
I was missing some days and I felt in the end of 2019 that I missed too many days. Wimbledon, it was something like, um, okay, um, I lost quarterfinals in the French Open. Uh, that match that I was very upset that I played wrong tactically. And uh, after that tournament, I said, okay, I have to just put all together again to work hard and to concentrate on myself, what I have to do better to come back at my uh, highest level. And at that point also, I relaxed myself. I didn't push any, I didn't push any, you know, negative thoughts in my, uh, in my head to myself. I just trained and I just believe that every day has to be the best day that I do. And then with Darren also coming and saying that I'm able to do anything all the time, he always told me this and helped me a lot to feel that he believes in myself. I need that because I don't really believe you have to cut this. I don't really believe all the time in myself when I step on the court. But if you yeah. have people around that are telling you all the time this, gives you a boost and it helped me a lot. Nope. I mean, I'm going to jump in. No, we're not going to cut that because I think that great champions, we don't necessarily believe that we're going to win this match in terms of a score. I think we believe uh, that we can play, we're going to play a great match in terms of trying, just emotionally. And I'm going to try everything I can. That's the confidence that I had. I'm going to try everything I can do. And if it works, great. Um, we have won multiple majors after our second Grand Slam victory, Boris and Justine. Simona, you will uh, win more majors, that's for sure. But how did it, Justine, for you after your first win? Okay, I won a slam. Wow. You win your second. Oh, my goodness. I won another. Then you win your third, your fourth. How, how, how does it change for you, Justine? Well, it was uh, the first one. It was a dream that came true, but uh, I really had this thing inside of me. I, I want to compete, you know. I want to compete with the best players. I want, I want to go further. I want to learn more. I want to try to push myself a bit more and, and to see where I can go. So I, uh, my dream was to win Roland Garros and then to win others, but not something really clear. And uh, that year I won the US Open and then I won the Australian Open the, a few months later and I was only 21. So... I've always been very lucky because um, I, I always remember when I came from, you know, so I, my really feet stayed on the ground and uh, I had a small team around me and uh, it was amazing what was happening to me, but I was in my bubble a little bit. So to stay concentrated and focused was something that really helped me. I never felt, okay, I, w I won my first Grand Slam and now, uh, okay, it's time to relax. It's not really in my, in my personality to, to do like that. A few years later, yeah, after seven and after a few years on the tour, it, it became harder and harder to deal with the pressure because pressure is in our life huh? every day. It's not the, the same pressure as we all can live in these difficult times, of course. But when you gave everything for your tennis life, you have the feeling that you play your, your life every time you play a tennis match. And uh, just the fact that I, I loved competition, I loved being there, and I understood it's not going to be... It's not gonna be easy all the time and it's tough sometimes with the young people and the young players today because they, they don't all understand that it's, it's going to be a long journey and you're going to have ups and downs and at the end we're going to see how consistent you can be also in, in your emotions so just the love of competition I think is a, is a common 
point that we probably all have, that's for sure. There's a saying that winning breeds winning, and, and there's so much focus on winning your first major. And you're in your junior days, when you love the sport, you have your idols, and, and um, Simona and then Justin, how was that feeling? Was it what you, you thought it was going to be? Did it change your personality a little bit? Did you change your view on life? All of a sudden, you're at the, at the Mount Everest. And uh, what was the view like, exactly like you imagined? Uh, I have I have heard many people talking that if you after some players after they win the first Grand Slam they get depressed because they imagine that it's gonna be something huge and it's normal in the end. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I I didn't have that depression. I was uh, normal. I didn't change, uh, and also I was uh, actually thinking to the next level already. But okay. in the meantime, in the meantime, many people came to me and was telling me like, okay, now you, you won the first Grand Slam and now you have to relax and you're going to win more. And then I started to think it's not, not correct because all the time, like Justine said, you have the pressure and every match is like a pressure and you have to admit it, you have to embrace it and just look in the big picture. This thing I have learned from Darren, look the big picture, not just the the fact not just the day and after french open in my opinion i didn't change as a personality and not as a person because i have i live the same so nothing mm. changed for me yeah no, i got I... more more confidence of course i got uh, like um, when you feel full fit how, how you call it? when you feel Fulfilled, full of yeah. Yeah, yeah that's the word the word yeah so when you feel like that now you you relax a little bit but no the pressure is still on. And uh, after this chat, I feel like I won the third one. So let's know <laughs> if I'm able. Okay. Well, guys, thank you. Simona, first of all, thank you so much for taking the time. Um, good luck with, uh, with when things start up again. It was such a pleasure to spend time with you again. Uh, Justine, it's great to see you. Thank you very much. Uh, stay healthy. Take care of yourself. Take care of your kids. Um, you. And uh, we'll see you soon again, hopefully. And boys, like always, yes. my friend, uh, enjoy the sunshine in Wimbledon now that spring comes around. And, and to everybody listening, thank you so much. Uh, and most importantly, Simona, good luck when we get back uh, in the tennis tour. Thank, thank you everybody. very much. It was thank a you pleasure. All. It was a you. great fun. Yeah. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. 
Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.